and physically, financially, emotionally, and mentally. God is not the God of change, but God is the God that has orchestrated great and incredible things for us. In 36 years of full-time ministry, I have learned that there are four levels of existence, and you here this morning are living in one of the four. There are people that live in the level of never enough. Never enough. There's never enough to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And then there are those that live in the level of barely enough. Paycheck to paycheck, struggling, barely getting along. And then there are those that live in the area of enough. They have enough. And then there are those that live in the area of more than enough. And when you have more than enough, it gives you the ability not just to meet your needs and wants and desires, but to meet the needs and wants and desires of someone else. This is a New Testament church. The Bible says the purpose of the New Testament church was to meet the needs of the body. Misha, would you come? Pastor Ron, may I borrow your microphone? Misha got a testimony this morning I want her to share. Turning me loose at the microphone. <laughs> so, um, as I was talking to Pastor, um, probably about four or five weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago, um, God has moved in my life um, in in many ways. Um, in the what 29 years I think I've been here, um, and I can remember in the early days. I mean, it was, life was a struggle. Life was a struggle, so I, I just asked Pastor if I could share some of that with you, kind of where I've come from to where I am today of God's faithfulness. And I do believe, I, I love the story of Joseph um, and the coat of many colors because I do believe we all have a tapestry of life. The places we've been, the journeys, and I think every square represents um, experiences and circumstances that some maybe we brought on ourselves. Maybe some brought on us um, other people's choices and decisions. But I love that because I think about my own. Timmy and I, this year we'll be married 32 years. Nobody thought we'd stay together. I mean, my friends at least said, you're crazy. What are you doing? I'm like, we knew each other six months. and We're like, we know this is going to work. It's just crazy enough we can make it work. And so we did. So in the early days... My goodness, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. That would have been an upgrade. Two nickels would have been a major upgrade. We struggled. Um, We got married here in Cleveland at South Cleveland Church of God and ended up moving to Nashville. Um, And we lived with his brother and his family for the first six months. Struggled, struggled. I can remember um, he he was on a game show called Top Card, which airs in Nashville. He had a 50-50 chance of winning a, a truck. We desperately needed a truck. His truck had been wrecked by his roommate before we got married. And it was in dire, it ran, but it it was um, rickety. Let me just say that. And so he's on top card and he's answering all these questions. And we get down to, oh my gosh, a new Mitsubishi truck. Oh yes, that's got to be God's will. Well, he answered Big Daddy to the question. It was about country music trivia. And the answer was Daddy Frank. 
So we didn't get that new truck. Now we got recliners and we got a Casio Walkman TV. He got a go set of golf clubs. I and mean, we won a lot of little stuff. Um, but we really needed a vehicle. At that time, um, we got married in November. So the first of that year, probably February, we both got jobs in Nashville. We lived in Goodlettsville. And for those of you who don't know, it's about 35 miles back over to I-24 where we both worked. We had one truck that was rickety. And uh, I would have to ride to work with him. And he worked at Centaurs, so he had like a 4 a.m. shift that he had to be there. I worked at the hospital, and I worked 10 to 6. So I would ride across town with him, sleep in the hospital waiting room, until 30 minutes before my shift, the girls would call me and get me up so I could brush my teeth, pull my hair back, and get ready for work. We did that for eight months. Now, my grandmother always said, no matter what you're going through, you can do anything for a season. It was a hard season. But I knew somehow, some way, things were going to shift. I came up pregnant in like February of that year. Still the one truck. And I was driving home from work one night and got sandwiched in a five-car pileup. So that rickety old truck became a debilitated little truck. It no longer drove. And we both had to get to work. So his brother was in car sales. He helped buy us a 1980 Honda Accord. Woohoo! We were so excited. It was 1988. But it ran. We were so excited. It looked so pretty. It had the lure seat. I mean, we thought we got an upgrade until we started driving it and realized it had a hole in the radiator. Now, listen, we were struggling to buy gas for it, let alone a radiator. So we drove across town with two gallons of water, one to get to work, and one to get home from work. Hey, you do what you got to do in any season. We were just thankful that we didn't have to walk. Um, so, I, I mean, I have to laugh and go, okay, God, what, what, where are you at up there? I know, I know you know what I'm going through. And can I tell you, he's never caught off guard by where you're at. He is never caught by surprise. He knows exactly what's going on and exactly what you need. And, and I think now, um, mo most of y'all probably see me drive up. I'm in a BMW. Okay, that is God's faithfulness. That has nothing to do with Mish. That has to do with God's faithfulness. I've been at this church 29 years. When I didn't have money to tithe, I worked. I came and painted. I did children's ministry. So if you you got to give out of what you got. Good. And and I, I can remember when we were here in the 90s at you know at South Cleveland, um, Holiday Inn, um, and the bread store. I was there as well. I remember those days? But I can remember having a flat tire and just boo-hooing for days because I didn't have $10 to go down Emmons Street and get a retread. I mean, that meant I wasn't going to pay something else. Times were hard. But I've learned to give out of what I have. God's not asking you for your rent money. Right. He just wants you to be faithful and be a conduit for him to bless others. And I think if I've learned nothing else at Church of the Harvest, I've learned to be a giver. I've learned to give out of what I have. And um, funny, um, in my journey from, from the wreck and my jobs, it's, it's been crazy. But when I was in home care, I got a referral for little Mr. Biddle in Athens, Tennessee. He was an 89-year-old man that never married. He um, had dementia, a little bit of Alzheimer's, and I got him in home care as a referral. My heart just went out to him. I fell in love with him because my grandparents are all in heaven. And I thought, well, the right thing for me to do is to bless him as I would my grandparents. 
And so I'll never forget the first day I came to his house. I had on my skirt, my cute little heels, thought I was all that. You know how, you know how we do girls. Walked into his house, and he had three cats that were more incontinent than he was. <laughs> Tell me God didn't have a sense of humor. I don't even like cats. Yeah. I went to the Dollar General that day, bought me a pair of cheap little gym shoes, and went in with my skirt and them little Dollar General shoes, and got on my hands and knees and scrubbed cat poop with a putty knife off of the floor and off of the bed and you name it where the cats had landed I was there because sometimes God's gonna put you in a place that doesn't smell so good doesn't feel so good but in your heart you know it's the right thing to do and I know it was the right thing to do to take care of him I fell in love with him and I tried to get him on Tennessee um, Medicaid choices and they said he's too high functioning and I'm like I have his medicine that's a 30-day supply and we're 60 days out and nothing's missing we have a problem here he's not high functioning enough he needs help well he couldn't afford private pay because I had seen his social security check I started taking care of him on a day-to-day -day basis again this is not about me this is how God will use you if you will be obedient so I became his person I became his caregiver before work after work and on the weekends now he didn't live here in Cleveland that would have been convenient he lives in Athens so I had to drive 30 minutes to Athens to take care of him fell in love with him and he was such a blessing and when he passed away um, I became his conservator because he had nobody. But when he passed away, his little heir was his girlfriend of 27 years. And her son is her power of attorney. She's, and he said, Mish, you've been helping Buddy so much. Will you just be the executor of the, state, of the estate? And I was like, I don't know what that involves, but sure, I'm already elbow deep. I might as well jump head first. So I became the executor of his estate. And I tell you all this for purpose. There's a reason. Um, and it's not about what I did. It's about me following the leading of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. So through this journey, I become his executor of his estate. Well, in my heart, I have always had a desire to meet someone else's need in transportation because I know how hard me and Timmy struggled. It was hard. I mean, getting up at 4 a.m. and I didn't have to be at work till 10 was hard. Pregnant, it was hard. One day we were in the Honda Accord on 440 in Nashville and the car broke down. And it was not in a good part of town. It was not in a good part of 440. So I laid the seat backs to kind of hide that I was in the car. Timmy got out and walked to get us help because it ran hot and, and to the point that we couldn't make it home. I was pregnant, like big pumpkin belly pregnant. But you do what you got to do in hard places. Right. But if you're investing with what God gives you, he will bless you because he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. He's not caught off guard. Never. Now, I can tell you he's not on my Timex. Right. And I'd sometimes like him to get on my Timex. But his timing is always perfect. And so because I was involved in the estate of, of Buddy Biddle, um, I was able to get my hands on his car. So I purchased his car. Not because I need his car, but somebody needed his car. And I knew that. God had laid that on my heart. And I had asked the two home care agencies that I was the sales director for to nominate a caregiver. Well, time passed and they didn't. So I came to Pastor and Pastor and I said, is there somebody that really, really could use a car? Because I've, I've done my way of, of trying to give it away and it's fallen flat. Pastor said, I think I know somebody. So Ashley, will you and Ed join me up here? So God knew that Ashley and Ed needed a vehicle. 
And I'm so grateful that God blessed me enough that I could afford to get this vehicle. And I gift it to you guys. Because God knew. God knew they were walking to work. They were bumming rides to work. They were doing everything within their power to survive. And God knew that. I didn't know that. But God knew. And so he's made a way in their wilderness for them to have wheels. And it drives good. I drove it back Thursday, 75 miles an hour on the interstate. I blew it out. So it drives good. Now, it's not a brand new car, but it beats walking. Can I say that? It beats walking. So would you celebrate Jesus? Yes. We're making a way for them. And I am so humbled that I got to be the donkey that God used to make this happen. Because he does use donkeys. Um, If if you think that um, you lose your job and it's not your fault, God's working. I lost my job because he needed me in a different lane, but I couldn't see that. I could, and now that I'm on the other side, I'm like, oh, so that's what you were doing. Could you just share a little bit of that with me? Because I like nuggets of information. I'm a need-to-know person. But God is doing something big in your life. If you will just trust him and, and trust that you can give out of what you have. It's, it doesn't have to be big things. And, and, and again, I do stupid stuff. So I'm at Walmart. I'm, I'm just going to tell this. I'm, you know, I have the microphone. Trouble. Um, But I was at Walmart the other day, and I like those vitamin waters. Belinda, will you just hold my water up? It's Propel Vitamin Water. It's 10 calories, and it's sweetened with cane syrup. And I don't know why I'm telling you all that, because you're all going to go buy them, and then I'm already struggling to find them. (laughs) But I was in line paying for them, and the lady in front of me said, oh, that looks interesting. So, again, I'm talking to everybody in line. Um, That's just what I do. And she said, I've never tried it. I said, well, here, take one of mine. The cashier looked at me like I had 10 heads. I said, it's just water. I mean... Let her try it. She might like it. Little things. Not, it doesn't have to be a planned out agenda. Just be instant in season. Spontaneous. Because he's speaking. We just not always got our ears open enough to hear what he's asking us to do. But in small ways, he blesses other people through you. If you will just hear his voice and be obedient. He's a good God. And he knows exactly what you need. I think back, Pastor, to 1990. Um, at South Cleveland Church of God, I could have never dreamed where I am today. The education that God's made away for me, the finances, the vehicles, life in general. God has been good to me. But I've tried to be faithful with what he's given because it's not mine. It's on loan from him. And if you can realize that it's not yours, you're just the ambassador for Christ. Be Jesus with skin on wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. In little things and in big things, it can make a difference in people's lives. So, Ashley and Ed, I'm so thankful and humbled that God made a way for you to be blessed. Wow, thank you, Mish. That's a sign of a New Testament church. Have enough to meet your needs and to meet the needs of someone else. I believe God wants all of us to live in the more than enough window. And the word says we have not because we ask not. A lot of times in what you ask for, there are things involved that you have to pursue. And uh, as uh, I pulled out of the parking lot Sunday, headed to the house to meet Rhonda's dad for lunch, I felt like the Lord, I felt like I know the Lord. The Lord said, 
I'm calling you to be an ambassador to the homeless. And I pulled out, headed towards the house thinking, what in the world does that mean, ambassador to the homeless? But uh, God has brought a very special uh, young man into my life, and he was a part of this church several years ago. I preached his wife's funeral and his daughter's funeral. And at that time, he was incarcerated, was not allowed to come, and uh, gave his heart to the Lord, recommitted his heart to the Lord. Well, many of you know that when uh, mom died, dad moved to Florida to live with my brother, and he'll, he'll never come back. To, he'll, never, he'll come to visit, but he'll never come back to live. He's where he's supposed to be. But we had taken the loft of his barn and converted into a very nice apartment. A hardwood floor, knockdown texture, tile cabinet, just a nice, just a nice little room. And so Pastor Ron and I began to pray about it and talk it and speak it. And we felt like that Mike was supposed to move in and take him off the street and give him money. He's staying with his brother, obviously had a place to stay. But that, I think that God was saying, I'm making you an ambassador to the homeless. And, you know, we got to do what we can. Right. I learned today that the summit, that the majority of them, they're not really homeless, but they're going without. And I think their rent is $25 a month. Uh, it's a tough scenario. And so this week I'm going to do some investigation. Would it be neat to have a ministry that you could take the homeless and, first of all, help them reconnect with their lost relatives? Most of them have burnt bridges. They can't go back. And would it be neat to try to reconcile and then to get them in a place where they could actually sleep and eat and survive and then help them with the job, then help them with the budget, get them plugged into the church, help them meet a wife or a husband, wouldn't that be cool if that's just something that we took off and did this next year? And, and if we do it, we're going to do it one at a time. We're going to go as God leaves, as God directs. But we have taken someone that was homeless off, off the street and placed him in his own place. He has his own place, his own key. And uh, I need a stove. I need some dishes. I need some towels, some sheets, pillows. Uh, and I need a uh, 3-0 metal door. So if you can help me this next week with any of that. Oh, yeah, I got a 3-0 metal door just sitting in the... <laughs> um, and Pastor Todd said we've got dishes, so we are good. Let me uh, uh, read you what I, what I wrote here. Nothing can help the person with the wrong mental attitude. Nothing can hinder the person with the right mental attitude. In 1 Peter 5 and 10, but the God of all grace who have called us into his eternal glory through Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's my thought or theme today as we look at what Peter is trying to share with the body of Christ. And Peter introduces us to the God of all grace. Aren't you glad that we're living in grace today and not the law Aren't you glad that we're not punished for our wrong thoughts or our wrong actions, but God's grace and God's mercy is there to sustain us every single day of our life? Friday morning, I tried to live a spotless life, a sinless life. I think I got to about 10 o'clock before I got to the, I had a wrong thought or said something wrong. So I did make it. I didn't get up till 930. So actually for 30 minutes, I was, I was perfect. But the Bible says that God wants to do four things in your life. He wants to make you perfect. He wants to establish you. He wants to strengthen you. And he wants to settle you. And he is the God of all grace. Grace is an acronym for God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. 
and we operate in God's grace because of the love of God that he has for us, that he gave us his son who willingly gave his life and died as a sacrificial lamb. So all that was God's can now become ours and all that is ours can become God's. It's a trade. It's a covenant. Everything that I have belongs to God. Everything God has belongs to me. I got a feeling, Mish, I got the better end of that deal. All God has belongs to me. And that's what the covenant life is all about. And I believe the door or the key or the, or the, or the, the cure to pursuing what we want God to have for us in our life is through the power of praise. The word praise is found 200 times in the Bible. There are 50 different Hebrew and Greek verbs for the word praise. One of the most significant words for praise is hallelujah. Do you know that I don't know how many dialects, Chris might take a, a, a meander there. Are there thousands of dialects upon the world? I mean, it's not just hundreds, right? But the languages of the world, there are hundreds. Did you know that I can speak any language of the world? Just give me, just throw one out. Hallelujah. Someone else. Hallelujah. Someone else. You know how, how smart I was, did you? Someone else. Hallelujah. What is so crazy? It's plural. It means hallow, praise, lu, our God. Praise our God. It's something that we do jointly. We do corporately. We do together. We're two or three gather in his name, begin to declare his glory and his power. The Bible says he is there in the midst of us. So this morning you have the ability to communicate into any language of the world wherever you go. At least you know one word, hallelujah, and that is a good word to know, I believe in the power of praise because I believe that when you are in the vein or in the gear or you're in the, the walk of praise, I believe that you're walking in perfection. The Bible says that Job was perfect in all of his ways. And the Bible says that Job was a worshiper and Job was a praiser. But when you begin to do what you were called and created and destined to do, we were called and created to praise God. That is our destiny. That is our legacy. That is our job description. That is our motive. Everything that we do is about praising the Lord and letting God get the glory for everything that's going on. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 4 and 24, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of the Father concerning you. I noticed, if, and I noticed this morning as I was praying, my prayer was a praise. So your prayer can be praised. Your worship can be praised. Praise can be praised. And praise is a weapon that God uses to defeat the enemy. Somewhere in Psalms 149 and 6, it says, May the praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. So we know that praise is a weapon that God uses to defeat the enemy. There are 11 battles in the Old Testament that the soldiers never got to fight, but they would send the singers and the dancers and the musicians ahead of the army, and they would sing praise, and they would sing worship, and they'd give God glory. And God got so excited about the praise and worship that he defeated the enemy, and they didn't even throw a spear. That's the power of praise, the ability to take you from where you are to where you want to be. Yeah. One of my favorite songs written by one of my favorite artists, Russ Tapp, penned the words, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes 
Don't let the urge within you submit to earthly fear. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. But what? Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits. He takes up residence of praise. Praise the Lord for those chains that seem to bind you, serve only to remind you. They draw powerless behind you when you praise him. The power of that. Satan is a liar. And he wants to make you think that you're paupers when you know yourself, you're children of the king. Don't submit to earthly fear, but lift up the banner for the battle is the Lord and just praise the Lord. It's amazing. We can praise our way out of every situation, out of every scenario. We can operate in prophetic praise as I operated this morning. Al operated this morning, prophetic praise. We begin to thank God for what he was going to do in the service today. We thank God for what he's going to do in our lives, in our home, in our business, in our job, in our marriage. And if you've got a bad marriage, I believe you can prophetically begin to praise God for a good marriage. And that marriage has got to fall in line with the word of God. It's a, it's a two-edged sword in our hand. It's the power of God in our mouth. And when you begin to declare praise and worship and glory, God gets involved. God comes to where you're at because God dwells in the praises of, your, of his people. We are people that have a tendency to speak negative rather than positive. In, in Proverbs 18 and 21, it says the power of, and it says death first. I always ponder to that, Michael. The power of death and life is in your tongue. Speak life, not death. Our mouth has the ability to create. Our mouth has the ability to shape, form, and fashion everything that we're about and everything that we want to be about. You will get what you speak. You will get what you declare. And if you say it long enough, it will come to pass. How many knows that? That's why it's important to have a, a positive mindset concerning every single area of your life. And when things begin to go bad, when things begin to go wrong, you choose. You cast down those thoughts. You, shot, you choose down those scenarios. And you choose to praise God for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he's going to do. And when you begin to praise him for who he is, and you begin to realize he is the God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He is the, he is the almighty God. He's the only God. He's high and lifted. When you begin to think all the things that God is, it's easy to praise him. And it's easy to worship him. There was a season where uh, Jehoshaphat was surrounded by the enemy, and they were outnumbered two to one. And uh, they didn't know what to do. So Jehoshaphat got a hold of the choir director and said, hey, we need some songs. We need some worship. We need some praise. And the, the praise and worship leader began to remind God for all the miracles that he had already performed and the miracles that he performed for someone else. And then the praise and worship leader reminded God, God, we're at a place right now where we need you to do it again. Say that with me. Do it again. What he did yesterday, he can do today. What he did today, he will do tomorrow. He can do it again. If he brought you out of darkness once, he can do it again. If he set you free once, he can do it again. If he blessed you once, he can do it again. If he healed you once, you, he can do it again. If he guided you once, he can do it again. If he instructed you once, he can do it again. If he lifted you up, he can do it again. There is no variable. There's no weakness that God cannot perform. He will do it. Again, I'll someone give the Lord a hand cup of praise in this house. And when you begin to, begin to praise him for who he is, then you begin to praise him for what he's done. He has quite a uh, genealogy. He has quite a uh, resume. Uh, he's an interesting God when you start talking about what God can do. 
I'm talking about a God that can put a, a put a, help me. I'm talking about a God. I know where I'm going. Are you ready? I'm talking about a God that can bless a 90-year-old woman by the name of Sarah to birth a generation. I'm talking about a God that can take a homemade slingshot to kill a 13-foot giant. I'm talking about a God that can make a lion's mane a pillow for a prophet. I'm talking about a God that can put an air conditioning unit in the fiery furnace. I'm talking about a God that can cause the walls of Jericho to fall flat like a pancake. I'm talking about a God that can float an ark to save the world. I'm talking about a God that can arm 300 men with torches and trumpets and destroy an army of thousands. I'm talking about a God that can send one angel to defeat 185,000 Assyrian warrior enemies. I'm talking about a God that can walk on the water. I'm talking about a God that can turn the water into wine. I'm talking about a God that can feed a multitude with five loaves and fishes. I'm talking about a God that can put his sun in the, in the sky the right distance. If we were six inches closer, we'd fry. If we're six inches farther, we would freeze. I'm talking about a God that's in control. He knows what he's up to. Somebody give him a hand cup of praise in this house. He is able to make you perfect. This is my personal opinion. I believe that when you are praying and when you are praising, you are in a season of perfection. He's a God that's able to strengthen. The Bible declares the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible declares I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And as you go through the pages of the Bible that are just as an example for us to live our life, you see that God didn't take the, the able... He took the available. He took the ones that didn't, didn't glory in their strength and their power and their honor, but he took the ones that were willing to be a servant and serve and make themselves available. And God still does that today. He's not necessarily looking for talent. He's not necessarily looking for ability, but he took 12 men. They changed the world. They were fishermen, uh, uh, with exception of Matthew. They were uneducated. They were couth. They were, they, were, they were a man's man, but he used those 11 men to change the world, not because of what they knew, because of what they did, but because they patterned their life. They patterned their words after him, and there was a change in their life when they was around him. The more you get around the things of God, the more you should change. Right. He wants to establish you. There was a song that we used to sing long ago, long ago, and the old account was settled long ago. Help me, Matt. You remember the rest of that song? And the record's clear today. There it is. For he washed my sins away, and the old account was settled long ago. I determined a long time ago, I belong to him, he belongs to me, and nothing shall separate me from the love of God, but he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Bible says, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I'm here to tell you this morning, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You're not alone, you're not a loser, but you're more than a conqueror. You are a winner through Christ Jesus. I remember a story there when Paul and Silas were arrested for preaching the gospel. They were beaten horrifically and they were told to never speak the name Jesus again. But the Bible says at midnight they begin to sing psalms. And I wonder what psalms they begin to sing. Maybe they begin to sing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made. Or, or maybe they sang, be bold. Be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. 
Or maybe they did, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll walk with him always. Or maybe they did, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his... Or maybe they did, our God is an awesome God. He, whatever they did, the Bible says at midnight, right there at the darkest time, the, the gates were swung open, the chains fell off, and they were released and they were free. And praise brought victory and praise brought deliverance, but praise also brought salvation and healing. The, the, the gatekeeper, the guard, the... the, the the guard of the guard was so overwhelmed, afraid the visitors were gone, the, the, the jail was empty. He started to fall on his sword, and Paul said, don't, don't harm yourself. Not a single person is left. And the Bible says he was so impacted by their praise that he bound up their wounds, and he fed them, and he clothed them, and he took care of them. That's the power of praise. Oh, I wish I had a friend in the house this morning. You determine your altitude, you determine your outcome, the strength and the settlement that God brings. I'm reminded of a, a guy by the name of Caleb. Caleb was a guy that was living in Egypt. Several generations had been in Egypt. They were slaves, they were paupers, they were broke, they were afflicted, they were, they were horrifically abused. God sent a man by the name of Moses, you know the story. Moses led the people of God out of bondage into the land of Abraham, a land of milk and honey. But when the spies came back with the report, the report of ten was negative. The report of two was positive. But the report of the ten said in Numbers 13 and 33, There we saw the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in our enemy's eyes. In other words, the way they saw themselves... So they assumed the enemy saw them. And if you have that mindset that you're broke, busted, and disgusted, if you've got that mindset that I'm, I'm a loser, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm everything else, if you have that mindset long enough, you'll allow the enemy to have that mindset, and what you begin to walk in and declare is what he will bring. You will get what you speak. It's in your mouth. And when you, when you begin to speak discouragement and depression and fear and worry and anxiety, fear and faith are opposing foes. Right. Austin Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When they came out of the land of bondage and they went into the land of promise, the negative report was, we're going to die, we're going to lose, we're going to this, we're going to that. And for 40 years, all they did was grumble and complain. All they did was negative, critical. The, the glass was always half empty. Everything about their life was, was, was negative. So God allowed that generation to die off and spare Joshua and Caleb. And I like the attitude of Caleb. Caleb said, I'm 80 now, but I feel just as good as I did when I was 40. When I was 40, I said, give me my mountain I want my mountain, but there's been distractions, there's been detours, there's been dead ends, there's been people speaking wrong things. He said, but I feel as good today as I felt 40 years ago. Give me my mountain. And this morning, that's what I declare over you. That goal, that purpose, that plan, that desire. We shouldn't walk in never enough. We should never walk in barely enough. I don't know that God wants you to walk in enough. I, got, I believe God wants to bless you 
so you can be a blessing to somebody else. I believe God wants to honor you so that you can honor somebody else. I believe God wants you to go from one dimension to another. I believe God wants you to grow up. I believe God wants you to mature. And I believe, as me said today, God wants to use you in environments that you can be a blessing, that you can be the head and not the tail. You can loan and not borrow, that you don't live every day of your life in debt. Third, the third letter of John, one chapter, the second verse, John said, Beloved, I wish above all things, that's quite a statement, that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospereth. First Peter 5 and 10, we quoted a few minutes ago, it said, After that you have suffered a while. Can anybody relate to that scripture in this house? Has there been some distractions? Has there been some frustrations? Has there been some disturbances? Has there been some, th some things in the road? A bump in the road? Has there not been detours? Has there not? Can you relate to saying, you know what? I have suffered. Listen, I'm not talking about negative confession. I'm just talking about telling it like it is. You know, there have been some tough things in my, and I have suffered a little bit. Where are you? I have suffered a little bit. See, you don't lift your hand, you probably will miss the blessing. But he says, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. And that will happen in your praise. Establish you. That will happen in your mindset. Settle you. Settle it once and for all. I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm all that he says I am. I have all that he says I can have. I can do all that he says I can do. That settles it. I stand on that. I declare it. The end, Amen. which is the beginning. Look at somebody say, my, my declaration is the beginning of great things. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in his sight. And so be it. You can't speak that and not get it. You can't speak that. You can't speak that and not follow up on it and not do it. So, so this week, look for areas, like, like, like me said, look for areas that you can be a blessing. Look for areas that you can touch somebody else, that you can bless somebody else. Just be that, be that person. This week, I was able to help uh, two, two families that they didn't have a car. They didn't have a, the ability to get to where they're supposed to be. It was no big deal to take them. It, what, really? I mean, what, big, what big of a deal is it to take 15 minutes out of your day and go help somebody? Uh, I got a call last night coming home from the woods. Could you come and give me a jump? My car's dead. How many pastors in the nation will go at 9 o'clock at night and go jump somebody's car? Anybody? And I had to take my own jumper. They didn't have their own jumper cables, Matt. Had to take my own jumper cables. I'm going to get me a small box of tools in case I get called to do something, you know, even more grander than, than jumping a battery. I, I have more value than that. But praise God, I was able. You know what? You say that sounds silly. No, that's what the brotherhood is all about. That's what the church is all about. Finding a need and feeling it. Finding a, a prayer and praying it. And, and walking through what God wants you to walk through and doing what God wants you to do. There's more for you. Rhonda preached a sermon years ago. There's more, there's more to you than you know. There's more to you than you know. I remember as a child uh, growing up, one of my, uh, I think it was always on Saturday, and it was Sheriff John. Anybody remember Sheriff John? And Sheriff John had a, he's kind of like Howdy Doody or Mr. Rogers, but uh, Sheriff John had this train. And every, every time that, that the program would come on, 
the train would try to climb the mountain. Does anybody remember the train? And the train had the ability to talk. And the train would say, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then the closer he got to the top, it was, I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. Turn your thinking into believing, and so will you be accomplishing. There's a bumper sticker right there. Turn your thinking into believing. We think it, let's believe it, let's be it, let's see God do it. I'm expecting next week for some miracles to happen. I'm expecting for some blessings to come in the mail. How many needs how many needs some blessings in the mail? Financial blessings in the mail. Wouldn't that be nice? How many would like a raise? Yes. How many recollect I prophesy there's gonna be some raises this week. I I prophesy uh, I need a raise. I think Pastor Ron and I need a raise. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Gotta have something if you want to be with me. Who said that? Stevie Wonder. So you take what you've take take what you've got, okay? Life gives you a lemon, make lemonade. You get my drift. Look for opportunities this week to be a blessing so that God can bless you. Let's pray. Thank you for this season. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this house. Thank you for our guests. Safe journey home. Thank you for all that you've called us to do this week. Let us make ourselves available. Let us not disqualify ourselves. Let us not let the failures of the past hinder us from the blessings of the future. Let us go out with eyes wide open, knowing you brought it to us. You trust, you trust us. You can trust us with increase. You can trust us with blessing. You can trust us with favor. We will be used for your kingdom, for your glory, in your name. Amen. Amen. You love the Lord this morning, all that he's doing. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow an offering in the kingdom. God's word says in Malachi, he restores the tithe. The tithe is what God determines you are to give. The offering is what we determine that we are to give. We have learned uh, the importance of getting seed in the ground, somehow getting some seed in the ground. It's important to put something in the ground. And as me said, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't even have to be money. It can be an hour of working on the church, an hour of going and helping an in, uh, a shut-in. I mean, there's so many different ways that our, our life can, can take on meaning and be a blessing to someone else. If you're offering envelope, lift your hand. And our handsome usher, Pastor Todd, with his new shirt on. Is that, is that new, Missy? Is that a new shirt? No. Okay, it looks, it looks nice today. Look at somebody and say, you look better today than I've ever seen you look. Go ahead. You look better today than I've ever seen you look. Always a joy, always a blessing to be a part of the family of God and what God is doing and what God is saying. As Pastor Rhonda mentioned, Josiah Ray is home. He's a darling little baby, a precious, precious little baby. Be in prayer for them as they go through the transition of having an infant in the house. Uh, remember, if you will, uh, my renter, and remember Kim's mom. What was her first name, Kim? Mary. Mary. Remember, Mary needs a healing in her body. Mary, there are two or three in the house that have been healed of cancer. So we know how to pray, Kim. We know how to pray for Mary. And we're just going to be agreeing in Jesus' name. Hey, sow a seed, hug a neck, shake a hand, bless somebody. Let somebody know you're glad to see them. Love on them and tell them something good is going to take place this next week. I feel it, something.